All right, we need to get to our text messages. Let's see, what have we got here? Okay, nuclear fusion with a giant laser. Good chance that the laser that laser weapons are going to be a preferred option in future wars. Mm, who knows? Uh, Victoria, if they vote whenever they have the next elections, Premier Daniel Andrews in again, they deserve what they get. Oof. I doubt that they will ha- that that will happen, but the truth will come out, and he will, will be charged for crimes against humanity. I doubt that. It, I doubt that a lot. I think. I think Daniel Andrews is going to walk in in the next election, and I don't think he's ever going to be up against crimes for crimes humanity, uh, because he lives in a state that supports this kind of thing. And mm. you know, <laughs> what do you do? Uh, he thinks that God is not watching and keeping records. Daniel, repent while you can, for you don't know when God will require your soul. The suffering you have caused people of your state will come back to you and you will be judged accordingly. Strong words. Very strong words. Mm. Okay, pornography therapy. Anyone can search for it and find it, and the people in the high places made sure this is so. We can only imagine how God must have felt when he saw the world um, before he had to destroy it. Unbridled sex, continued sin. God is reaching that time again. God help us. Um, this one's wild. Mm-hmm. Many leaders in the world are addicted to human blood. I will leave it there. Refer to victims of secret society's own testimonials. Oh, we're talking. We're talking about some um, Jeffrey Epstein stuff, right? That's, yeah, yeah. Wild. I wouldn't to say most. And to say that you know this because you've read it somewhere, that's different from actually knowing it. Yeah, you can speculate. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Absolutely. Mm. Okay, this is an interesting one. Um, this one, this, 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 this text message comes through from the person who dared me to read Revelation two, 3 verse 12. Oh, on that's air. awesome. That's on so air. good. Challenge of the day. Challenge of the day. So they've, they've dared me again. Oh, I can't, I can't wait for this. Are you going to take the challenge? Uh, um, should I do it now or should I do it for question of the do day? Do it for question of the day because then we can play us. Or, or, jing- I, or do we already have a question of the day in for today? Okay. But- yeah, I would, we'll keep it for question of the day. It's, it's another dare. They've dared me to. But this one this one's a little bit different. So. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I like it. I like it when people dare me to read the Bible. Can, can you just tell us what it is? Just just tell us what the dare is, and then we can build all right, up to all it. All right, all right, and we'll do it for question of the day. Okay, uh-huh. well, let's do that. Okay, so here comes the text, right? God is spirit, not a separate, not separate to his being. And those, I, the Bible doesn't teach that, but this is what the person is stating. Uh-huh. And those worshipping must worship him in spirit and in truth. Yes. Uh-huh. Jehovah is one spirit being, not two. No, that's incorrect. Uh, proof positive the Trinity is a pagan deception adopted by the apostate Catholic Church. Google Matthew twenty eight nineteen added by the Catholic in 1st and 2nd century. Dare you to reveal this to your listeners. Okay, here's the scoop. You can dare me to read any passage of the Bible you want, <laughs> and I will read it on air. Uh-huh. But if you're going to dare me to Google something... Seriously? Yeah. Like Google is an authority on anything? No. I'm not going to Google something and I will believe what the Bible says. I'm not going to believe some article that I find on Google. There are so many random people writing so much random stuff on Google and making so many random claims. But even even the case, like I'm sure, like 
you could Google this, and you will probably you will probably come up you will probably come up with something that backs up this particular guy's point of view. But then probably counter that is not that is not my that is not my issue. My Mm. issue is what does the Bible say? Yeah, we'll come back to it in question of the day. We'll find out exactly what the Bible says on this subject right here. I can't wait for it. Man, there's so much to say on that point. Like, there is like it just in just in terms of like googling in the Bible and it's, and it's like no don't go to Google don't go to Google go to Scripture this is the Word of God this is the problem with Christians today they spend way too much time on Google and not enough time in the Word but this is a huge point it's like if we start picking and choosing which verses were supposed to be in the Bible like based on some conspiracy theory that someone's changed it well then I'll just throw the Bible out like yeah. just I don't just, think the person is claiming that. But but that's the logical conclusion. Like that's where you come to. Yes, it's like oh no, but but this verse was added. This verse was added. This book was added. And this into our canonized Bible. And I'm like, well, then what's the point of even reading it? Yes, like I would I would rather trust that God has a hand in presenting to us His Word. That's right, powerfully, absolutely, as and it can change our lives. Like yes, so that's yeah, that that's kind of. But that's my thoughts. But we're yep. going to do it. We're going to challenge of the day. Oh, well, we, okay. We're not going to Google it. No. We're going to read what the Bible says. We're going to read what the Bible says, yes. That's because what the Bible says is what the truth is. When you know what the Bible says, you know what the truth is. It's a very simple formula. If you know what Google says, you know nothing. Oh, oh, oh tough gig. All right. You might know something, but you most likely know nothing. Mm. You need to trust the Word of God. You need to trust the Bible. Don't be trusting Google. Mm. Google will lead you astray. They have no conscience. They've shown this over and over and over again. They have an agenda, and their agenda is to sow seeds of discord and strife and division. Mm. It's as simple as that. All right. So anyway, uh, that's my comments on that one. Uh, Let's go back to our Bible study. And seeing as we're studying the book of Deuteronomy, I'm loving it this week because we get to study Deuteronomy. Yes. Pretty much every day. That's awesome. Yes. All right, chapter so 10. I am turning over to Deuteronomy chapter 10. We've been in Deuteronomy t- chapter 10 for a while. This is like this is the most consistent Bible study we've done over the last couple of days. So Deuteronomy chapter 10, and I assume that we're going to pick up in verse 12. Uh, we probably, did we not read verse 13? If we haven't read verse 13, then we have some more verses that we need to read uh, before we get to where we need to be. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. We have read this because we had a big conversation yesterday about verse 16. That's right. I remember it now. I'm looking at it. So we're up to verse 17. That was where I was expecting we would be up to. So let's read verse 17, 18, and 19. All right. The Bible says in verse 17, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God, who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must show love to foreigners, for yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. Okay, so this is an interesting passage here because when you come down to the first century when Jesus is amongst the Jewish people, uh, what you'll find is that they loved verse 15. 
Mm. And they would quote verse 15 ad nauseum. And for those of you who might uh, forget what verse 15 was about, verse 15 says, Only the Lord had delight in your fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. And if you had that verse by itself, that would be a, an easy argument to say that we are amazing, everybody else is terrible, God has chosen us, we are the best, and you are all dogs. So patriotic. Yes. But what you've got is that God has this verse in the Bible, yes, but God has surrounded this verse with qualifying statements. Mm. And this is the this is the important thing because you know so often if you take a verse out of context it's like wow that's pretty full on God only loves Israelite people that's it he don't love anybody else mm. God has only chosen Israelite people and if you're not a part of the chosen people if you're not chosen by God you're done mm. and this is what the Jewish people were teaching in the first century in the time of Christ they were teaching that you know God only loves us that's it no one else anything outside of us. You're just a worthless, worthless Gentile dog. Mm. And uh, not reading the qualifying verses. And so, you know, even in, 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 you know, in, in our life today, you or I, when we preach a sermon, sometimes we will make a strong statement on a particular subject. But because it's a strong statement and we don't want it to be seen as a blanket statement, mm. we qualify it. Yeah, totally. And we add qualifying statements to bring that that big statement into balance. That's right. Okay, so let's let's focus on the qualifying statements that God has made right here. Uh, the first one is the verse before it. Mm. And so this is what you'll often find in the Bible. Uh, the verse before it, the verse after it, and people only take the piece in the middle. <laughs> <sighs> How Yikes. frustrating that yeah. is. All right. Uh, verse 14, go for it, Lawson. Verse 14, the Bible says, Look, the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it belong to the Lord your God. Okay. Uh, what is it that belongs to God? Just Every, his people? N- no. I, I mean, the next verse, it says just his people, right? Yeah, but did you read Before that Before he says just his people, he has already stated all people are mine. Mm. All people have been chosen by me. All people have been created by me. Mm. Then he says, okay, but you're called. All right, so what does it mean that they were called? What, how, if everybody belongs to God, if, if, if God loves everyone, what's this whole concept of, uh, of the calling here, um, the specialness in verse 15? Does it mean that there's no specialness for the Israelite people? Like for everyone else? There's no specialness for everyone else? Yeah. And that the Israelites are the only special ones? Or is everybody just the same? And yeah, what what what's 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 happening? Do we have a contradiction here? Yeah, no. I'm just gonna, just, you know, just take it as it is. Everyone else is lost. Only the Israelites are saved. No, I'm just joking. No, dude. I watched this video last night. I, I don't want to get into it, but it was on this very topic, in fact, and people using the idea of um, basically, yeah, trying to say like Jesus was racist and we need to speak a power to authority or something. But the the point is, is like, what is G- what is God saying by saying that these people are chosen? Um, is that they were a chosen people. They were led out of slavery in Egypt. They were, you know, brought across the Red Sea for what purpose? To be a light to the world of God's 
grace of God's love. And I, I've been reading through uh, Joshua at the moment. I'm right at the end of the book of Joshua. And you see, you know, it, which is just action, action, action. And they get, you know, all the way into the promised land and they're fighting people and they're killing people and all these different things. And it's interesting, before they go and fight a nation and kill them and overtake them, um, God says, like, I've given these people into your hand. Um, and it's often because he's like, because they've, he gives a qualifying reason for that. He's like, because they've given themselves over to idolatry. Yes. The point is, is that God has worked in their lives. God has tried to, God uh, clearly from this verse has tried to work in everyone's life. So has tried yes. to call, has tried to qualify, has tried to choose everyone. And we see that that's a New Testament idea. That's an Old Testament idea. idea. He has chosen everyone to be saved and to be used by him. But because of rejection, there are certain people, this this group of Israelites who are called to do a specific thing that not everyone else will do. And their specific role, especially in this context, is to be a light of the world. And how is that going to be achieved? Well, God is going to establish them as a nation. Yes, absolutely. And this is one of the things that I see today, uh, you know, when people choose a particular denomination or whatever, uh, sometimes there is this attitude that um, we we look at somebody who is very faithful to their denomination, and there is a temptation, and I think a lot of secular people look at Christians this way, and there's a temptation to think that that person thinks that they are a better person because of the denomination that they belong to. Mm. Um, and that's not the case. You don't choose a denomination based on where the best people are. Totally. You choose a denomination based on where the best message is. That's right. Because all denominations are run by people, and that's a problem. Mm. Because all people are broken. Yeah. All people are defective, and you're going to run into all kinds of issues with you know, any denomination that's out there just because of people. Man, and if you want to talk about a defective people, we were talking about the Israelites yesterday. Like, yes, who see God in their cloud, who see God in the, the parting the Red Sea, who see him, you know, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, and still rebel and still reject and still like, like clearly he didn't choose these people because they were awesome. And that's the very point that Moses ma- makes to them, to their face. He's like, God has not chosen you because you're amazing. <laughs> like. <laughs> what he says to them um but for for a purpose that they have been called to indeed mm. absolutely okay so it's a it's a pretty full-on uh passage right here where where you know and and well okay so just continuing on back to that point there there was something else i wanted to talk about and that is that often you'll find people who will leave a denomination mm. because of its defects yes and so if you're somebody who's left the denomination because of its defects, let me ask you this. Was your denomination as bad as the Israelites in the wilderness? Mm. Were its defects that deep? Yeah, wow. And yet the church in the wilderness was still God's church. Mm. What was it that made it God's church? Were the people any more better than anyone else? <laughs> no. No, they weren't made more better than anybody else. More better. Yeah, I'm not sure whether that's a correct way. Better. <laughs> they weren't better than anyone else. They were the same as everybody else. Yeah. The difference is that these people had the word of God. That's right. They had the message. Mm. They had the covenant. They had the law of God. Mm. They were the they were the, and and that's what we need to look for today. You don't look for the good people. You look for the good message. Mm. 
they had the Ten Commandments of God with them physically in the Ark of the Covenant. They knew the message and their job was to present the message. Mm. And if you come over to the New Testament, you're going to find exactly the same thing over there. In fact, let's go over. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to divert from this for a moment because this is an important issue that we need to look at. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians. And let's think about the New Testament content because obviously in the New Testament you, you move from the, uh, the Israelite church, the Israelite people being God's church, you move across to the Christian church being God's church and you have the promises being transferred across. Mm. Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And what we're going to do is we're going to have a little bit of an exercise here. We're going to actually find out, okay, uh, is this God's church or is this not God's church in Corinthians? We would kind of assume that it is. And uh, I wonder whether you can read for me the first line of 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2. In uh, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, the Bible says, I am writing to God's church in Corinth. There you go. That So, so whose church was it? God's church. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to come back after this song and we are going to read about God's church. Not mm. Satan's church, not anyone else's church, not a pagan church. We're going to read about God's church and see what God's church actually looked like in New Testament times. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Welcome uh, back to Faith. We were having a very heated oh, conversation. You should, we had the, Lawson just had the most epic rant <laughs> ever, <laughs> and it didn't go to air. <laughs> we just, I'm just disappointed. We're just talking about woke preachers who misinterpret the Bible to fit their social agendas, and particularly on this topic, we've been talking about you know uh, the difference between the Israelites and the rest of the people, and why they are a chosen people. And there are Christians in this world, and by Christians, I mean Christian authorities in this world who want to make this a whole point of just how like they basically say that Jesus was racist and that. Jesus repented of sin and changed his mind to fit a social agenda of, you know, critical race theory and wanting to, you know, promote all these things. But ultimately, they're wrong. This is what happens when you take your culture and you try and fit your culture into the Bible. That's right. Rather than fitting the Bible, rather than rather than having the Bible speak to your culture. That's right. That's right. Uh, I don't know. We're probably not, we're probably just going to move throughout our Bible. So you read this section in First Corinthians. Okay. So Ivan texts in to say, "Great show, this AM boys. Be careful they don't take you off air. Google is listening." All right. Okay. Where are we going in our Bible study? We we, we were in First Corinthians. Yes. Okay. And we saw that God's church existed. Oh man, I'm so disappointed we didn't record that rant. <laughs> it's just the best. Anyway, First Corinthians. Okay, so this is God's church under the church of God, which is at Corinth. That's what the Bible mm. says in First Corinthians chapter one and verse two. Let's take a look at the description that we find in the Bible of the church of God. What was the church of God like? This mm. wasn't Satan's church, wasn't pagan church, wasn't an apostate church. Well, it was an apostate church, but it was God's church. Mm. Uh, read for us verse ten. In verse 10, it continues on and it says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Okay, so this is interesting because Paul typically has a long flowery introduction, Mm. which is like a whole chapter long. And his flowery introduction here is about three sentences long. And he goes, you're all divided. Mm. And now let's read in chapter 3 and verse 3 what the Bible says about those divisions. 
For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are you are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like the people of the world? Yeah, basically, you're all unconverted. The whole lot of you, the the entire church is unconverted. Yeah. Uh, my, it says, my translation says, for you are carnal. Mm. That's a, that's another way of saying you're all completely unconverted. Yeah. Ruled by lust. So, so this is know. the church, this is God's church, and yet there's not a single converted person in it. Uh, let's go over to chapter, let me see here, chapter 5 and verse 1. And the Bible says here, I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on amongst you. Something that even pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. Yikes. Yeah, it's pretty full on. Mine doesn't use the word stepmother. Uh huh. No, it doesn't use the word step. Ooh. It just gets. And this is open sin. Mm. Being tolerated. All right, go to chapter 6 and uh, verse 6. 6 and verse 6, the Bible says this, But instead, one believer sues another right in front of the unbelievers. Okay, they're taking each other to court. So this is an interesting church to be a part of. Uh, then you can go to chapter uh, 7, which is all about you know relationships and so forth. Chapter 8, they've got problems with things offered to idols. Um, you know, we could go oh, chapter after chapter after chapter we could go through here. Why don't we read this one in uh, chapter 11? Uh-huh. Which verse? Um, do, 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 do. Let's go to verse 21. In chapter- Let's re- read about how they are doing communion. Chapter 11 and verse 21. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. So that's pretty wild. Mm. They've got alcohol there. Yeah. And as soon as it's communion time, you've got a whole bunch of people that just make a rush to pig out on the communion food <laughs> and get drunk. Yeah, wow. This is a, this is a pretty hectic church. Then you've got... Uh, oh, Chapter 12, which is, you know, all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, You've got chapter 14, where they are abusing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You've got chapter 15. uh, Let me just read. Let's let's pick a verse here. Uh, Let me just see here. Chapter 15 is pretty epic. Chapter 15. Particularly the closing of chapter 15. It is pretty epic. But this, there's a center section here that I'm looking for. Uh, verse 11, wherefore, whether if I were... Oh, verse 12, verse 12, right there. Verse 12, it says, But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rode from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? Okay, so let's, let's do a quick summary, right? Let's do a quick summary of the church in Corinth. They're all unconverted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got open sin, mm-hmm. unrebuked, not dealt with. You've got um, you've got false doctrines being taught. Mm-hmm. You've got an abuse of the health message. Mm-hmm. You've got communion service, which is a memorial of the death of Jesus Christ being abused. Mm. You've got people teaching that there's no resurrection. Mm. This is a wild church. Mm. These guys are way off the rails, and this is why we have the Book of First Corinthians. Okay, so why would you become a part of this church? The reason that you become a part of this church is because they are the recipient of the oracles of God. Yeah. 
which is another way of saying, it's a kind of a, an old-timey Christianese way of saying, they are a recipient of the truth. They have been entrusted with the truth of God. Mm. And so if you go to my church, you will find lots of people doing terrible things. If you go to another church, you'll find lots of people doing terrible things. That's what you're going to find in churches because there are people in churches and churches are for wounded, broken people. That's the purpose of church. I don't know. Speak for yourself. My church is pretty cool. No, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just joking. See, My denomination, but, but no, okay, you, let's let's go denominational wide. No, but even okay. like those words coming out of my mouth, they they make you cringe a little bit. They're so prideful. The reality yeah. is, is that there are problems there too. Like, Absolutely. I love my church. By yeah, the way, me too, dude. My church it's is awesome. awesome. <laughs> my local congregation is absolutely awesome. It is not without faults. Totally, and my denomination is incredibly awesome. It is not without faults. Why do Mm. I choose it? I choose it because the message that has been entrusted to it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. But right now, it is time for... Oh, the button's not working. Here it is. Challenge. Of the day. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> challenge, challenge, challenge of the day. Of the day. All right. We only have one person who sends our challenges in, and we, we do love him very much, but um, whenever he sends his challenges in, we do uh, tend to give them a bit of okay, a hard time. He, so here comes a hard time. Here we go. So I'll read this out again. God is spirit, not separate to his being, and those worshiping him, worshiping him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jehovah is one spirit being not to proof uh, proof positive the Trinity is a pagan deception adopted by the apostate Catholic Church. Google Matthew twenty eight nineteen, added by the Catholic Church in the first and second century. I dare you to reveal this to your listeners. Okay, so first of all, I don't really care what the Catholic Church teaches or doesn't teach. I care what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. And if the Bible teaches exactly the same thing as the Catholic Church teaches, then I'm happy with that. If it teaches something different, I'll call that out. What the Catholic Church teaches is absolutely irrelevant to this discussion. That's right. What the only and, and what Google teaches is even less relevant. Okay, so uh, let's find out what does the Bible say. And the Bible is pretty clear on this kind of thing. And I'm going to uh, highlight three places in the Bible where you have the three members of the Godhead all in separate places doing separate things at the same time. Uh, the first one is creation. And, of course, you've got the Spirit of God moving on the surface of the earth. You've got God the Father. The Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens of the earth. And then you've got the bite where the Bible says that Jesus created all things and that there was nothing made that was not made by him. So you have all three members of the Godhead involved in the creation story, which is why in verse 26 God says let us make man in our image why because there are three of them that are involved in the creation of uh, the world okay so the next place that you're going to find this of course is the story of the baptism of Jesus and once again this is a very simple story the father speaks from heaven the Holy Spirit descends as a dove and the son comes up out of the water One event, three different beings in three different places doing three different things. The next one is you're going to find is the resurrection. The Bible says that Jesus was raised from the dead by the Father. Jesus says, I have the power to raise myself from the dead. And the Bible says that he was raised from the dead by the Spirit. The next one you are going to find is the Great Commission, where Jesus says, Go and baptize all nations in the name of the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. This is the founding of the Christian church. And so, so far what we've covered is the creation of the world, the baptism of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the commissioning of the Christian church. Are these important events? Yes. Yeah, they're like the they're like the extreme highlights of the Bible. These are the most important events that you'll find anywhere in the Bible. And when you come to the most important events, you're going to find the Godhead all working together and all united together. I'll show you one more, and this one is in Revelation chapter 1. And the key word here is the word and, because in Revelation chapter 1, the Bible is going to tell you who it is that the book of Revelation is coming from. It says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace and peace be unto you, uh, from him which was, is, and is to come. Mm. And from the Holy Spirit, the seven spirits which are before his throne, that's another name for the Holy Spirit, and from Jesus Christ. Now the word and delineates that this must be three persons. The word and is the most important part of this verse right here because you've got it from the Father, him which was in is and is to come, and from the Holy Spirit, and from Jesus Christ. If they were one person, you wouldn't have the word and in there. If uh, if I you know, said something about Peter, James, John, that's one person whose first name is Peter, whose last name is John, and whose middle name is James. But if I say Peter and James and John, that's three people. Mm. You see the difference between the two. And so once again, we have all three members of the Godhead collaborating together on the writing of the book of Revelation, which is why it is such an incredibly important book in the Bible, and God is highlighting it to us right here. Now, as to the personhood of the Holy Spirit, a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, occasionally some people will get confused over this because there are many places in the Bible where the Holy Spirit is... Uh, spoken of in an impersonal, using impersonal language. And because mm. of uh, those places where impersonal language is used, there are those who conclude that maybe the Holy Spirit is an impersonal force, the impersonal force of God, rather than being the third member of the Godhead. And so Jesus um, went to pretty extreme lengths to clarify this. In fact, I don't know whether it's possible that anyone could go to greater lengths to clarify the personhood of the Holy Spirit than what Jesus did. And he specifically does it in a sermon that he preaches in John 14, 15, and 16, and 17. Uh, It really focuses in here. I'll just read two verses from verse 16. I want you to notice this. How be it when he, notice the personal pronoun he, You don't say that about an impersonal force. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak to you. He will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. That is nine times in two verses that Jesus has very, very clearly revealed the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. Mm. We could go on and on and talk about the personhood of the Holy Spirit all morning, but that's what the Bible teaches. Let's be clear on what the Bible teaches, not care about what other people have to say about it. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.